Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. With more than 35 years combined industry experience, Alex Husner and Annie Holcomb have teamed up to connect the dots between inspiration and opportunity, seeking to find the one story, idea, strategy, or decision that led to their guest's big aha moment. Join them as they highlight the real stories behind the people and brands that have built vacation rentals into the $100 billion industry it is today. And now it's time to get real and have some fun with your hosts, Alex and Annie. Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. I'm Alex. And I'm Annie. And we are joined today with David Krause from Rent Responsibly. David, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. We're super excited to have you here and to hear more about all the amazing things that your organization is doing. But before we get started, can you give our guests a little bit of history about um, who you are and what your involvement in the industry has been? Sure. Well, uh, the short history is that <laughs> I, I started off like many folks in this space, kind of stumbled in, uh, just trying out, I guess it was Airbnb at the time in 2013, I was moving and I was going to have an empty apartment for a month. Uh, and next thing I knew, I was a host and an enthusiast and uh, really wanted to kind of move further into the, the space. So by the time I got to Dallas, where I was moving to from Boston, um, I was like, I'm going to take a run at this and, and was probably the first professional or, you know, full-time manager in Dallas uh, when there were about 300 listings in the city. There's uh, 10 times that now. And uh, that led me as a host and just kind of an entrepreneur uh, feeling my way out to realize that like, hey, this is the coolest space in the world. I get to meet people. Uh, I was making a living, nothing special, but more than, you know, my desk job that I had left to do it. And uh, from there, uh, one incident led to noise aware. Somebody threw a party, unfortunately, uh, and I found out too late. And therein was the necessity being the mother of invention moment. And I realized if I needed to know about noise sooner than my neighbors, uh, that other people probably would too. And so we brought my co-founder and I brought a, a gadget or an, an, a privacy safe noise monitoring system to market in 2015, which is kind of the explosive like Cambrian moment where there was just a ton of energy in this space that I think even still now we're like some of that dust is settling. Um, but as, as Noiseware grew, I grew and I met thousands and thousands of hosts around the country and even the world and realize that there's really uh, pretty much a, a formula uh, to success. And many people don't uh, discover it through a learning curve or, or trial by error, right? When you're getting started. And so that led me uh, in 2019 to start Rent Responsibly. And I'll tell you about Rent Responsibly in a moment, but that's how I got here. That's a lot. So were you were you mad that you weren't invited to the party that like started this whole thing? Or <laughs> I, I, Oh, I've had plenty of uh, jokes, you know, being an international party pooper for four years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I realized that, you know, you don't often get the invite. But at the, at the same time, um, in the case that I had, I, I think the guests weren't really trying to bother anybody. They just didn't know how loud they were. Yeah. And uh, so it was it was more of kind of an accidental nuisance issue. And that's a lot of what we see out there. But at the same time, 
you know, I found out from the building two days later on like literally a form letter uh, with the noise complaint and stuff like that. And I was like, there's gotta be a better way than this. You know, you look and you're like, wait, nobody's touched this. Nobody's figured this out yet. So that's, that's just how it all started. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you was, I mean, what came of that? Like, did you get fined for it or or how did that, you got a letter, but then what happened? Yeah. I mean, what, what happened was, is the fallout was that my, my neighbors were, were frankly very angry. Um, and I think they had every right to be. Mm-hmm. And I just realized, you know, I was, kind of in a, a moment where I was figuring out what I wanted to do. So I ended up uh, selling the condo. I had a, you know, a long-term guest and then sold it. Um, so it was kind of just feeling my way through that. But at the same time, that, that kind of moment, right? Like a, life goes back to these moments and that moment of like, how could I let this happen? It yeah. was really, like, it sticks with me today. I was embarrassed. I was responsible. I stood up to it. I, I faced the music but I was literally, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The puns are absurd. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I at the end of the day, I'm I'm the kind of person who can't live with myself if I'm bothering people. Yeah, and so I, I just wasn't going to let that happen again. Yeah, well, I mean, there's definitely we've definitely noticed this thread is that purpose built tech is the way to go, and it just it makes sense. And that aha moment clearly that just defines you know how you guide this product and. Um, I know Noiseware is still doing amazing things within the space, but are are you involved with that company anymore or out of it completely? Yeah, so out, out of it completely. Uh, luckily enough, I you know rent responsibly is is built on partnerships. Um, we can go into that in a moment, I'm sure. But the so Noiseware was one of our first partners, uh, and so we are engaged as partners. And then speaking of your partnership, I was actually going to ask that. So you started to all of this kind of spilled into you you building rent responsibly. So why don't we go through that and then we can get into kind of where the company's at and, and the founders and kind of your partners that you have uh, you're engaging with now. Sure. Yeah. So you want me to just kind of. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Just tell us, tell it kind of, I mean, because I think I see like, you know, obviously coming from Noiseware, I mean, you, you had a violation, but that's like a bigger problem. There's people violating tenants of buildings all the time or, you know, in, in, in neighborhoods. So that becomes, goes over to this rent responsibly, people needing to be good stewards of their rentals and good stewards of renting. So I think that it all, it all kind of led you to this path, but I'd love to hear like, what was that again, the aha moment that made you, made you go this path? Yeah, I think, well, so the aha moment, so aha moment number one would have been the, the kind of aforementioned party there. Um, the second one, and I, I was thinking about this in preparation, I was like, what was the moment? And I, I have to say, I remember I was sitting in a this kind of semicircle, uh, and there were people were going around talking about their challenges. They're all these are all hosts and managers, and one person started crying, and they were talking about how they were doing everything that they knew they needed to do to be a responsible host. They were following every rule. They were scouring, you know, like they were talking to their city. They were, um, you know, being preventative, proactive, introducing neighbors, all these types of things. And but their city was still trying. Well, the, there was a ban on the table, right? And so they're like, "I'm doing everything I can." It's these bad apples. These, you know, this term "bad apples." It's the other people who don't seem to care as much or don't, you know, are, are again on this learning curve. Not always intentionally being a bad apple, but not always having the tools and the education up front that they need. 
And I just, I was, it was wrenching to me because that was me when I was getting started. I was like, I'm trying to do everything I know to do. And so that moment, honestly, tears, like, come on, like, I, I can't, I get rocked when I see that level of emotion. Right. And so it was a kind of an emotional like moment. And that's when I just said, you know, this is, this is solvable. Like you got all these solutions over here and then you got communities and people struggling, trying to find them over here. So ultimately that was the inspiration was seeing this kind of consistent drumbeat of, uh, of people who are looking to do all the right things and, and help their community go be above and beyond. And there just wasn't a platform or, or a, a organization like rent responsibly that was sitting right there. Cause you know, when a lot of people are individually trying to do something, you can only get so far. But when you uh, use the collective and collaborate a lot more, that that's where a lot of the things spring forward. And um, so, you know, effectively, I'll just dive right in uh, to what Rent Responsibly does. Rent Responsibly is a community building and education platform for the short-term rental industry. So what does that mean? That the, the functions of, of what Rent Responsibly does fall into three buckets, collaborate, educate, and celebrate. We're often called like an advocacy organization, which is really the function you need when there's something to advocate for, which means that you're trying to educate other people, maybe your city, maybe your city council, maybe even a neighbor or, or an HOA or something like that. But functionally, through those three vectors, uh, collaboration, right? We have six founding partners. We have many, many other partners, but six that we work most closely with. And then we help local uh, owners, hosts, and managers collaborate with one another, right? That's collaborate. Educate. We're oftentimes just distilling various pieces of information. You know, in many places, you need to know your local, your county, your city rules, and then there's all these other rules, like the OTA has their different functions, and there's many OTA, right? Can we just make that simple, please? Like yeah. <laughs> that's our education motion is just like simplicity yeah. and give people what they want. And we're full time, so we're kind of always helping people. And when we see patterns, people need the same education. We create a tool and help them with that. Um, and it, it goes beyond just the regulatory, right? It's like we're helping people understand uh, how how to professionalize like things like home inspection, right? There, there are tools out there, so we're helping people educate there. Lastly is Celebrate. So Celebrate is probably most near and dear to my heart. I'm, I'm pretty positive, guys, sunny side of the street. And there are so many amazing people in our space. Yes. And they're just not, their stories aren't told. There's no megaphone. There's no spotlight, but we're we're correcting that. So if you go to our website, we have we have probably 50, 60, 70 stories now of amazing people. Original uh, when we, we were kind of born in the the beginning of the pandemic, our first series was called "Find the Helpers." In March 2020, everybody's calendar got cleared, right? And people just filled it in with people who needed space, which was traveling nurses, people trying to quarantine, first responders, like the whole ecosystem came together to help during the pandemic. So we spent almost the whole pandemic, like trying to find these stories and, and help them get some shine. And then we did a a survey, which is kind of this last piece, which is part of the education, but we did a survey and found out that 50% of the industry was supporting uh, first responders or uh, people who are pandemic related stays with their home. So this kind of whole uh, understanding our space and celebrating the, the unique value prop 
beyond just great memories and vacations, which is righteous in itself. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where a lot of our function comes in. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're we're a bunch of people trying to improve uh, an ecosystem that we hold near and dear. So we're, we're very honest that there's a lot of things to work on, but uh, we're working really hard to do that. David, how do you engage with these associations? So I'm on your website right now and under the local alliances, I see that most of your most of those are the state vacation rental managers association. So South Carolina, you've got the SC VRMA. How, how, how would you work with us? I mean, give us an example of what rent responsibility would be charged to do. Sure. So actually most of them are local. So they're sub-state. Um, there's probably about 70 or 80 on there uh, in on that list. Um, shout out to anybody who's listening to this and is not part of a local alliance or association. Uh, you can go to our website and find the one in your neighborhood. Uh, if there isn't one, we have a kit to help you start one if you're so inclined. So that kind of brings me to how we engage. We support local short-term rental alliances. That is like the simplest way to think about it. And uh, how we do that is we help the group oftentimes, if there is no group, we help them form, which usually comes in the form of finding folks who are going to raise their hand and say, hey, I'd like to be a leader. Usually it's like three to seven people. We help them get together and decide, you know, what are we, what is our, what are our goals? You know, what is our name? What is our website? Things like that. We just support them in that effort. And then we <clears throat> help them build their alliance uh, as in their members. And that's where we leverage our partners. So um, our six founding partners will help send a message into the market of their neighbors, right? You sort by that geography and say, hey, join this local alliance. And pretty soon, um, in the in certain cases, you have hundreds of owners, hosts, and managers, all in a an email list in a membership group with leadership, and we're just supporting them to execute on their on their goals, and then bringing in resources to support them on a regular basis. The things they need most are help with recruiting other people. Like, how do you find other hosts in your own neighborhood? Um, side note. I hosted it in Dallas for six years. I don't do that anymore. I didn't meet a single host until like the last year of hosting. Really? Short, not. I mean, there's just now we started the Dallas Short Term Rental yeah. Alliance and, and helped stand it up. So now there's, you know, over almost 600 people who are all doing this that are connected, but everybody was doing it um, disparately and in a fragmented way. And so that initial like, need to connect is is probably the number one core thing we can help with. And if you think about this, the OTAs are really, really good, Airbnb, Verbo, et cetera, really good at finding guests and connecting them with hosts, right? That is their core function. Rent, think of Rent Responsibly as the platform that connects hosts with hosts. Yeah. It's, it's a missing piece. So once they're connected, it's actually a lot of it is, is pretty formulaic to, to build and kind of connect uh, with other outside groups as well. You, um, when you founded Rent Responsibly, you brought on, I think, I think she's the co-founder is Alex Noda. Alexa Noda. Yeah. Alexa Noda. Sorry. I always get her in the first name. I'm terrible with that. I apologize. You're thinking of me. Anyway. I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> Alex on the brain. Um, and she's, she's phenomenal, but she, she's a little powerhouse too. She was doing some stuff. Was it in Chapel Hill or Charlotte? Somewhere in North Carolina, right? It, indeed. Yeah. 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 
Actually, let me, can I dive into that? Because this that's yeah. actually part of the origination story. When I was in, when I was like, we need to figure out a scalable, repeatable way to help local short-term rental communities get together, right? Yeah. This is before Alexa and I were uh, co-founders of, of Rent Responsibly. She was leading the short-term rental task force in her town of Chapel Hill, North Carolina. There's like 300 rentals there, right? And she was just, she is a powerhouse, no doubt, but she's, whip smart and super capable of building, you know, websites and other things, strong marketing background, strong communication background. So she was basically single-handedly building the entire Chapel Hill short-term rental alliance. And when I started working with her and understanding what she was doing and how much time she was spending, it took her like 40 hours to set up just the group all in all the kind of uh, sub pages on the website, mem- uh, sign up sheets and everything like that. I was like, this is the best formula I've seen in the entire country. And Alexa did it herself and it took 40 hours. I said, if we can get that 40 hours it took her and reduce it to like four hours to get set up, we can repeat this across the country and then we will have stronger groups, connected groups. And we'll actually be solving a lot of the problems that cities come and say like, well, this is a problem. We got a you know, party house over here or something like that. Well, once you're connected, you can actually educate and ensure that if there is like truly one or two or three really problematic properties, let's get them out of there. Mm-hmm. Like, let's yeah. remove the problems faster. Right. Yeah. And then the solutions come behind it. So we actually took Alexis formula and co-founded rent responsibly around that. And that's what we're doing. I think we're actually about, it takes us about four hours to start a new short-term rental alliance now. Wow. Amazing. Now, do you have cities and local um government's coming to you also, or is it just these alliances? Like, did they come to you and ask questions about if um, OTAs need to have uh, business licenses and things like that? Would they consult with you on a question like that? Not really, actually. So we, anything that happens at the local level, we just, we, we empower the local leaders to, to manage and handle it. We don't actually interact with anybody really other than the, the local groups, because frankly, they're, way better suited. They know, oftentimes they know the people who are asking anyways. Um, and then there's other specialty items. You know, if somebody's like, Hey, something about the platform, just point them in that direction. We really just focus on supporting the local, the local groups as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, one of the things I find interesting is that I've been in this industry for a number of years and way before COVID. And so there's always been this question of like, how do you, um, make the municipality and the people in the municipality understand the value of, and I work and live in a very heavy vacation market, the Panama city beach market. And I was in hotels and moved over to vacation rentals. And when that happened, that shift happened, the people who had held the power were the hotels mm-hmm. and they all of a sudden found every fault that could lie within vacation rentals. And were constantly kind of like beating the drum of just issues that really weren't things that were that bad, but they just made them into issues that really didn't need to be issues. And we always joked that there were the people that would come to these meetings and we called them the againers. They just had an issue. They always had to come again and again with another issue and vacation rentals kind of became their thing. And, uh, you know, we don't want our market hosting all these people from out of town, even though we had been hosting people from out of town in hotels for, you know, 35 years. It was just because they were in these high rise buildings and more compact in their space, it became a problem. And so for you, um, 
you know, there's a huge problem around the entire country and it's probably replicated from market to market. You probably see similarities with beach markets and city markets and those type of things. Do you have a, a framework of which you could say to somebody, like, if you live in this market with this type of inventory, again, urban versus um, a vacation market, that you have a package that they can work with or kind of a framework that they can start their alliances out on? Yeah, so I think... Great question. And uh, it's a long question. No, it's it's a great question. It's like, okay, what's the formula here? Yeah. What 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 do we do? Uh, how do we make this simple? Again, right? It's just like let's simplify this. I will go with an analogy, which always helps to simplify. So I call this the Ford Model T analogy, the Ford Model T um parallel. When in 1908, when the Ford Model T rolled off the assembly line, there were already cars on the road. Like you said, this activity was happening. It just wasn't as much in the, you know, uh, kind of mainstream. And, but with so there were about 200,000 cars on the road in 1908. By 1916, there were 2 million cars on the road. That is basically the same exact curve that we've gone on in the last five or six years. Um, in parallel, in 2010, in the short-term rental space, 8% of the American population had stayed in the short-term rental the previous year. By 2015, it was 32%. So it's just these like massive rapid adoption in like travel, right? When you're moving around, you're seeing different things in your neighborhood. It is, you know, it is uh, new for, for many, many people. And that uh, the, the issues with cars actually caused people to say, we need to ban automobiles, it, it happened in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. And the response, though, was that the American Automobile Association and other car enthusiasts, that's us, by the way, the enthusiasts, were the ones who kind of said, hey, we got to solve these issues. Otherwise, like we can't wait for somebody else to figure all this stuff out. And so we're actually in that moment right now. We're kind of in the 1920s of the automobile here in the 2020s with short-term rentals. But it is up to us to solve it. So to your point of how do you make that simple, it comes down to three things, education, policy, and technology. Everything goes back to those three elements. The policy can change, but there are best practices and it will just take time to, for that to shake out the technology piece. I mean, Noiseware is one example, but there are many, many, many others that weren't even there five years ago. Noiseware is like barely five years old. Mm-hmm. And then lastly is the education piece. This is all great as well and it's good, but if people aren't aware of the rules, if people aren't aware of what they're supposed to do and, and continuously improving, it's not like you learn it once, like year over year, things change. So you need a system and mechanism for continuously educating people. Um, that's where this all comes together. I mean, things like click it or ticket, right? right. Well, mm-hmm. Policy is that you have to wear your seatbelt. Click it or ticket was an education campaign, and a seatbelt is technology. That right. wasn't yeah. that didn't yeah. Yeah. basic as can be. Yeah, yeah. And so right. that uh, the fact though is 1920 to 1990 in 70 years, it became 90 percent safer to ride one mile in an automobile on a like a death per mile basis, even though the cars went that much faster from 1920. And that's what we're doing. And I, I think of it as like this power of 10, right? That took 70 years. Mm-hmm. I think look, we have five to seven years to like solve all these problems. Yeah, absolutely. Like, but one of the things in our market right now that I actually just got quoted in a newspaper article that I, 
uh, the the, uh, writer texted me and I didn't know that I was being quoted in it, but it's okay. It's the truth. He asked uh, if we rent to locals and at Condo World, we don't. And I don't think any of our competitors that are in vacation rentals rent to locals either because of the issues that we normally have, that there are parties and there's a lot of, there's bad things that happen with locals, but is that a good policy? Absolutely not. I mean, we want to be able to rent to the good locals that are coming for a staycation or a birthday party or something like that. But for the most part, you know, the technology of a company like a super hog or auto host that has not caught up to our market here yet. And I think that's going to be the next shift in how we fix some of these things. And when that article came out, it made me think of you and it made me think of those technologies that I'm like, this is where there's, there's still a disconnect because, you know, I'm very active within our um, Myrtle Beach CVB, which is, you know, very big advocacy platform. And we have a hospitality association, but nobody is really looking at that issue. And so, that that's where I think rent responsibly VRMA everybody kind of needs to come together and figure out how you work more with the, with the local hospitality association CVBs to bring that message and just uh, um, knowledge of what is out there for options for accommodations to be able to solve those things because it is definitely solvable. But I, honestly, I don't think that I think a lot of the vacation rental markets are aware of those types of products or are becoming more aware of them, but hotels are not. So there's there's a big opportunity there to even make it make it a better experience for everybody within a market. Totally, totally. And I, I mean, I will say this, that there's there's one I mentioned the survey we did during COVID. Um, we did <clears throat> remember responsibly at the end of last year, at the end of 2021, we did the first state of the short term rental community community uh, survey and report. And the construct of that was that we surveyed the short-term rental community across the country, about 4,500, a lot of people responded to the survey. We also worked with the College of Charleston to interview 27 municipal uh, staff folks who were responsible for kind of managing the short-term rental program, non-elected. So these are just really like the people are just trying to you know, keep their arms around anything that comes up and, and just right. follow, you know, enforce the rules and what have you. And the results of this survey, I'll tell you just in super, super simple summary, the really interesting part of it were these 27 in-depth interviews that said that cities, which you could take as a proxy for really, you know, HOA building, what have you, um, even the the CVBs and, and DMOs of the world, um, they want to work with the short-term rental community. That was number one, which yeah. you, know, you don't know that until you ask. Mm-hmm. Number two is they want they want help with informing people about what the rules are for compliance, which right. I'm like, that is what we're trying to build, do faster. And mm-hmm. the last piece, which was a little surprising, and Alex, people don't love this on our side because it's like, oh, we got to do that now too, is help with enforcement. Yeah. Cities do not have infinite tools or resources to help them get what they need to do done. And if it doesn't get done, we end up having to do a lot more work to, you know, convince people of the value and show statistics. Like the work is always going to be there to continue to improve. But right now, I think we need to take a little more ownership as a, as a, uh, an industry over what we can do to help People who fundamentally don't have a problem with short-term vacation rentals, they're just pointing to these certain things. And that honestly is 
it can only be done together as a group. So it's not any individual has to go mm-hmm. around and be like, you know, a, a vigilante or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. About it's- systems and tools that make that easier and easier. And, and we are hellbent on making that easier and easier. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. I mean, the the local groups, they definitely want to work with vacation rentals. I mean, we just had Jennifer Barbie on our show last week, Annie, and she said, you know, if there's one thing that came out of COVID is that vacation rentals are so important for the local CVB DMO in a destination. I mean, they really save tourism in most markets. So they want to work with us and they, of course, they want to work with the professionally managed units, but they also want to work with individually managed units too. But it's just a more of an education piece at this point. And, you know, I think there's a big play for rent responsibly to get involved on that higher level with like a destinations international type organization um, that, you know, that kind of connects you more to start at that level. And then that connects you down from there to the local associations, because there's, there's, it's just seems like there's so much good information being shared, but it's still in silos between what you guys do, what VRMA does, what the CVBs do. But I I think we're getting, we're all kind of circling in the same, (laughs) at least, tumbler there that I think we're getting closer to where it needs to be, which is, is exciting. And like you said, I think it's, we're not in that 70 year time frame to solve something. It's like five to seven years now, hopefully. Yeah. And I, I will say this too, is like, you know, five, six years ago when I, like I said, stumbled into this space, I had no idea that I would be, you know, as upset. I'm wearing this shirt and like have this history of like standing on hats and <laughs> yeah. I mean, what you know, the, the world is so interesting on a five year horizon. Yeah, it is way less interesting on like a five month horizon because you kind of know what the world is going to be like in five months. Right. We have no idea what it's going to be like in five years, yeah. and so I often think about that as like if you have no idea what the world could be like in five years, like let's envision the best world we can create and run at it because there are people who, who are going to want that vision too. And in this case, people love to stay in short-term rentals, right? There are other people who surround the ecosystem, not just, I mean, everybody knows owners, hosts and managers are like, yes, we love this. We need this. We want to protect this. But people don't know about these ancillary businesses I mean, I've met more cleaner entrepreneurs than probably short-term rental entrepreneurs yeah. because it's flexible and they they can get they can create their own life around it too. And then you know, you talk about CVBs, DMOs, they're oftentimes waking up. I've talked to people who said that five years ago it was like STR was a four-letter word. Right. Now they're like, look, I it's been a, a whole new day, and and there's a warmth and an interest, and, and we hear that. How do we harness that? This is today. Imagine five years from now. We don't, we don't know exactly what it looks like. I, I think what is incontrovertible is that short-term rentals are going to be as popular, if not more popular. They're going to be uh, regulated more closely and for good reason, have like more standardization across the board. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, the tolerance for poor behavior, those like outlier bad apples, right? That made that person cry originally is just going to be nil. And the system is going to be there to get them out where that is unacceptable. The same way you can't drive without a driver's license for too long. You can't be a drunk driver for too long. Right. Those systems evolved the same way. We're just trying to accelerate that and actually uh, kind of maintain more more uh, kind of uh, 
more control, if you will, of, of what this industry looks like in five years, because we're better at self-correcting than we are outsourcing, you know, letting other people kind of come in and, and use their best guess at what's going to work. That, that leads me to a question, actually. So again, a lot of good things came out of COVID as bad as it was. And the one thing that Alex and I've talked to a lot of people about is, is um, the spotlight that was shown on to vacation rentals and, you know, STR and the collective voice that has come together to try to make it a better industry. Um, I'm curious, I was reading an article the other day and they were talking about the growth of that under 10 unit kind of owner, you know, that is like the fastest growing part of the industry and go back to, you know, VRMA announcing that they were going to let in individual owners and that, you know, depending on which side of the the conversation you were on, some people liked it, some people didn't. I kind of sat in the middle on it. Alex and I uh, had debated it a little bit as well. But for you, I think that that's so important to be able to educate those people coming in. For me, it's like if you educate from the bottom up as they start out, instead of waiting until they become a problem, that will and it's not going to solve everything, but it'll help stave off some of these problems. So how do you see the relationship with these smaller entrepreneurs, these smaller hosts, these individual guys that aren't professionalized? How do you see that and bringing them into the fold and being able, responsibly being able to help local uh, municipalities educate those guys as they start to enter the industry? What a good question, Annie, because honest, <laughs> honestly, like yeah. that is what it comes down to. Yeah. Like, Nobody cares how much experience you have if you're, you know, neighbor nearby and you're dealing with it. Like it, yeah. nobody cares. I don't care. I think you there's an obligation to to make that learning curve happen before you, you know, put up your your listing. And so we're so I, I I'll address that in one one second. So how do we kind of help the the problem uh, of of kind of like really a low barrier to entry? is good in some respects and, and also causing these other knock-on effects. Before I get there, this uh, survey that we did, the, the State of the Short-Term Rental Community Survey, which again, if anybody is listening to this, it's on our website, download it, is, is so important for us to understand who we are as an industry. And it was one of the best looks at that. 70% of this industry has one, of owners in this industry have one listing. Right. That's astounding. That's a really big stat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. And and they're not going to, you can't be full-time because if you're an owner, our, our survey said 38% of your household income comes from your short-term rental. You can't live off 38% right. of your own income, but it is meaningful. It's a meaningful amount. The other statistic, and I'm looking at it right here, is 50, if you're a manager, 54% of all managers have less than 10, 10 units. Really? Wow. So you're actually talking about, wow. you're talking about this, like it's if the pyramid is like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's a whole big chunk of people who are, you know, part-time or new or small or whatever. Yeah. And, and so we all kind of live together because we're all in the same ecosystem. So that being the case, you're talking about a one to many, many, many people, education system. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is the only way you get your hand around that is you have to think about it in a, in something you can put your arms around. Right. So on a local basis, you need to have one point of reference that has good information, right? If you go to enough city websites, they're good sometimes, <laughs> yeah. but they're hard to get through and yeah. to expect everybody to go and sift and like, 
if you read an actual ordinance, it is not reader friendly, mm -hmm. to be honest. And then the, the irony of it all is that you can uh, you can get all the way into the ecosystem and then have to go back and look at this stuff. And like, I, I'm not one to really pass judgment on that system because that's how I got in. It's just like you, you kind of start people come in for different reasons. What I can say is we are going to continue to try and make it easier and easier and easier where if you want the step-by-step -step guide of how to do it the right way, that, that is effectively what we're building. And so when you're, you know, you, you get that information on the way in, not you're in and then you get the information. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So much work to be done. It's just incredible. Well, I mean, and there's so, there's so much going on within our industry and that the statistics about the 54% or 10 or less units. I mean, you think about years ago, I mean, the legacy providers that had upwards of 500 units, there's not a whole lot of them anymore. And the ones that have that amount, they're gradually losing inventory year over year uh, because there's so many of the new you know, companies that are popping up that are just like those less than 10 units. So the industry is shifting and that's, this is definitely an area where we're starting to see, it's just, it's so important. You can't, you can't just have the information that goes out just for the professional organizations. It's got to go out to everybody because it's becoming just, that is the norm for the industry. Yeah. And beyond that, the type of stay is shifting yeah. too. So yeah. Yeah. through COVID, you see this like, you know, I, I always, people ask like, what's hotels versus short-term rentals? Right. They're different types of stays to begin with. Absolutely. If you're over yeah. three people or over three nights, the preference is for short-term rentals. If it's under three people or under three nights, the preference is for hotels. That's how I, I have like, by rule, I'll stay in a hotel if it's under three nights or under three people, it's just, that's kind of what it's built for more yeah. so. Yeah. So on our side, then you also have this, uh, you know, I think 25% of Airbnb bookings are over 28 days now, right? 40 per our survey, 40% um, rent for 40% are open to mid length stays. That's 30 to five months for non-leisure guests. Hmm. Mm, wow. So you you have this like, opportunity where yeah. people are basically living, you know, my wife and I are just thinking about, she's a teacher. So she has summers free. We're like, why don't, you know, Texas, I live in Texas, yeah. God awful in July, <laughs> August. Yeah. yeah. Like, why aren't we going, you know, living somewhere for two or three weeks yeah. uh, on the other side of the planet and like literally looking into that. I'm like right. five years why ago, not? Yeah. not a world I thought I would be in, but here we yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, it's, it's so amazing. And I think there's so many different directions we could take this conversation. And I, and I know that you guys have a lot going on and obviously Verma has a lot going on and there's going to be a lot. Um, there's articles every day about different rules and regulations that are popping up in towns that are kind of putting the kibosh on people entering the space. And you know, if you don't have a permit now, you won't get a permit ever kind of thing. And so it's an interesting conversation. I think we could continue to have, but we're at time and wanted to wrap it up. So one, thank you for all that you and your team is doing. I've interacted with a lot of your team over the last year and they've been awesome to work with. So kudos to you guys. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you, um, you've done a lot and I was looking at your resume and one of the things that really, um, your resume, your bio, uh, you ha are very big into just helping people. You have, you have a very big heart and I, and it just speaks to me. And so I wanted to ask you of all the things that you've done through your life this far, what are you most proud of? Oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> um, well, actually when we, when we all, and three of us talked a while ago, 
my mom passed in January. We're so sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. talked about that. Yeah, oh. I, I mean, I don't need to go too deep. It'll be like that. But, um, but you know, I I think I'm proud of the uh, the kind of qualities that I think I'm manifesting that that really look a lot like qualities my mom had. Yeah, um, she had a long career advocating and she was this kind of you know uh happenstance advocate her her uh, issue or her her kind of um passion was for helping families that had somebody with a developmental disability so somebody mental retardation the deinstitutionalization of people who had mental retardation they were put into society or, or out of institutions in the 70s and she worked doing research and studying and holding commissions and all this stuff uh, for like 30 years. And, um, but I'd ask her like, why, you know, or why, why were you so passionate about that? She didn't have an amazing answer to it. It was just like the sense that like, it just has to be done. Right. Somebody's got to do it. And I'm, and like her DNA was a leader and so I look at what she did and, you know, it's not, it's not like a riddle to me because I grew up around it, but it's just like, if it's gotta be done and nobody's doing it, like Step up. look in the mirror. Yeah. So I think I'm proud of the fact that I'm just, you know, able to step into that, you know, Marty like quality. Um, and in a way that, you know, it lights me on fire. Um, my, my dad, you know, speaking of, uh, parents, like my daddy in equal dose, he always said, um, something along the lines of, you know, you're, you're nothing gets done without work, but it doesn't have to be hard work. Work is like, you know, effort over time. Hard work is things you don't want to do. Easy work is things you're passionate about and do want to do. So I work a ton. I work like 12 plus hours a day on, you know, long days, uh, but easily more than your average bear. And uh, I don't really care about the time because I'm so passionate about it. I don't watch the clock. I'm like, that's a dream job. I'm just, maybe I'm proud I found a dream job or creative. Now, a lot of people can't say that. And I think, you know, your mom would, your mom is very proud of you. She's definitely watching over you and you, you obviously exude everything that she taught you, whether she meant to teach it to you or not, but she led by example. So that's really wonderful. She's right, right there. Right there. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I think the last time that we are on our pre-call, we asked who was your, your mentor. And I think that's the lead into how your you mom, yeah. told us about your mom and it just, We've heard a lot of great things and it's been wonderful seeing everything you've shared on social media about her too. So thank you. Yeah. I mean, my, I, my mom, when I was starting rent responsibly, I kind of consider her like my first mentor or first advisor and everything I do. Cause she knows exactly where I'm going to like mess right. up. And she's like, <laughs> she, she pushes me away from that. But her advice to me was, she's like, you're going to get impatient. Things won't change won't happen as fast as you want them to. And I, I uh, she's right. Uh, I, every time I get impatient, I'm like, she, she called it. She called yeah. it like, just, you know, have faith. Yeah. Yeah. The power of timing is important and not everybody's going to be on your timeline or timetable of getting things done, which does, it's tough when you're a little impatient. I know I'm the same way. So <laughs> that's a challenge, but. Well, thank you, Dave, so much for being here with us today. This was 
wonderful conversation. And you know, Annie and I are so appreciative of what you you and Rent Responsibly do for the industry, as are all of our listeners, I'm sure too. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, how what's the best way to, to contact you? Probably email David at rentresponsibly.org. Um, I would say, you know, we try and put everything we have on our website and make it easy for people to find. So like, just let us know what we can add to our resources. Uh, we serve our community and our community is the short term, the broader short-term rental community, which is to say the world now, because short-term rentals are everywhere. That's true. Very, very true. <laughs> awesome. Well, if anybody wants to get in touch with Annie and I, you can go to alexandanniepodcast.com. And if you're enjoying listening to the show and these amazing guests that we keep bringing on, please go to uh, Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast app you use and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. David, thank you again. And thank you everybody for tuning in. We'll see you next time. 